it's Saturday this time. It's the Farm to Wardrobe podcast with the theme Biodiversity and as with LD13 as the host. Um, today we have Caroline from Peru joining and we are talking about biodiversity in both our work. And um, I think we will start off um, how we both met each other. What do you think? Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. You're such a joy to talk to. Uh, yes, let's dig into how we met. I mean, we both attend Parsons, and I can remember we sat on opposite sides of the drawing class, but I think we felt some magnetic attention or attraction to each other's work, Right. probably our work ethic. What do you think? I think we both love to meet and work with different people, get out of our comfort zone, learn about different cultures. And most importantly, um, learn about the resources this wonderful planet has to offer and learn how to use them responsibly. Agreed. I mean, I think I met, we both met in Glenn's class as well. It was com visual communications. And I remember you, you always had the colorful drawings and I always had the minimal, minimalistic drawings. And I was like, this girl is pretty interesting like she knows how to use colors her drawing style is very particular very very good and yeah let's let's go up and talk to her and then we talked I think end of class sometime and then you you like um ex explained to me what you do in the uh, um in the rainforest and uh, back in Peru and I was like wow this girl is so advanced so ahead wow I love it and I was like Damn, like I'm, I'm interested in this conversation, and this was there was already Caroline um, forming her system right there in sophomore year, and I think you were also like the people that you know attracted me. Like um, that's where I wanted to be surrounded by in those conversations, and I, I thought that, like that was the first time um, I was like, yeah, I want to know more about materials and the system behind it or, or around fashion, and yeah go beyond drawing a collection you know <clears throat> I, think I, I think I also helped to introduce you into Latin American culture didn't I hopefully you did, you did. um I mean Andrea <laughs> and you it was always fun hanging around with you guys especially after class when we were like all tired <laughs> we put music on and spoke in Spanish Right, right. And then you guys danced. Even when you were in my apartment, there was like some salsa music going on and you danced right away to it. I just love it. You know, you yeah, got some, you have the emotion. Emotion, see. That's really touching my heart. <clears throat> well, okay. I, I, think, I think that's a good uh, segue because um, I was first introduced to fashion or more so textiles through dance. Oh, nice. um, my mom says I've been dancing since I was in the womb and I danced Peruvian and international folklore at school. Some of my favorite memories were on that stage and in that classroom. I remember wearing beautiful traditional clothing from Peru, Colombia, Spain, Argentina, uh, what else? Uh, Ireland, Italy, so much more. It was, it was so much fun. And the reason I fell in love with all of these genres was because when you trace back their heritage, mm -hmm. they are very specific to their location. The lyrics talk about the struggles, the aspirations, the achievements of those communities. The instruments are made locally with wood, with seeds, with 
like mm-hmm. animal skin with whatever they can find. Mm-hmm. And music has music and fashion transported me into those places and helped me paint the scenery. I mean, it was just breathtaking. And the dresses were embroidered by hand with stories and symbols. And uh, it was just always very mystic in my eyes. I already can see it. I already can see your thesis collection next year. <laughs> Being very- uh, working on it, working on it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we both have like that movement that drawn that background like for me it was sports for you it was dancing and I think it's so also interesting and important to say these days like a fashion designer that like it's, it's so diverse it's so um, attracted and inspired by so many genres so many topics and it comes back to be, be global minded what do you think <clears throat> well there's something very important you mentioned which was sports I mean, sports, dance, and the way that we both work, it's all about teamwork, about collaboration, about meeting new people. And it really, if we want to solve any problems in this world, if we need to address any needs, it, the only way you can do that is by working as a team. 100%. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, diversity is so important. And, and I mean, maybe like, let's go ahead and like explain why it's important and why do we need it in terms of people, animals, plants, and the resources that we source. I mean, for you, why is it important, for example, in, in Latin America, in Peru? Well, first of all, uh, diversity is inevitable. Right. We have it all around us. So whether you are someone that likes it or not, and decides to embrace it or not, you have to live in a diverse world and we have to work together eventually. Um, and just to kind of paint a picture here, um, since I'm from Peru and I think that's kind of what you're interested in hearing about today, uh, there are about 76 ethnicities, native ethnicities in Peru and 47 like native dialects or languages without considering foreign languages spoken by those who migrated. So I'm talking about German, French, Italian, Hebrew, Chinese, Japanese, Arabic, you name it. Um, and this is an important point that I want to make because I think some of the most interesting music, delicious food, stunning architecture that I see in Peru emerged from the fusion of these cultures. And these elements of Peruvian culture are the epiphany of collaboration and problem solving. Right. And although there are many problems in our country that need to be addressed, these farms, forms of artistic expression um, are a way of understanding and celebrating each other. Yeah. Now, as far as resources go, uh, Peru is very rich in natural resources, uh, but in order to appreciate and use them wisely, uh, I've found that we need to work with people that have lived on that land for several generations so Lima is very mixed, but some of our rural areas around the country, um, there's generations after generations of people that have lived there, native people. And while I find technological solutions to be very efficient in some cases, working in the Amazon rainforest with artisans taught me that our planet has given us incredible resources to innovate and solve problems but we, all, we always have to give back. We always have to understand how they grow, um, how we can extract them responsibly. Um, 
mean, that's the most beautiful part, right? Giving and um, working together and 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 learning. Uh, there's so much um, also survival instinct involved with indigenous techniques and Asian techniques. I mean, <clears throat> like when I talk about indigenous, I mean local knowledge. And I think it's so important um, in order to to drive the new. We need to go back and learn from the old to keep evolving because everything we do is an evolving thing. Um, and maybe that's also a bit forgotten these days because everything, everybody talks about the new thing, but you know, the new thing comes from something. And we as people are like also evolving um, our moments of time. And that's for me so important also um, to, to say. Yeah, that's an observation we need to make in both developing countries and developed ones. Because if you look back to why some countries or some industries maybe transitioned from sourcing their uh, raw materials from natural places. So let's say like ivory, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like that was being extracted by the thousands I mean, we we almost um, like ran out of it, basically. Right. So there are certain transitions that make sense at the time, yeah. uh, like to synthetic, but we're constantly changing and we're constantly learning. And so going back and reevaluating and, and making those changes um, is necessary and it's important and it's interesting. I mean, that's already touching on the next point. Like, why is diversity important in, in fashion? You know, um, as, as I shared previously with you, I think it's so important to also source in a diverse way, not like only source one material all the time for your collections. Um, because that at the end also would go into that rabbit hole and we would like be the exploiter of a certain material. Like, if I would continue to source cochineal all the time, um, I would also exploit that material over time um, with more and more demand if I would have that, like for bigger collections. But I, I'm also interested in seeing what else is there and how else can I connect with new communities, with people, with friends, um, also with my own roots and how we, we can come together and, and, and innovate and <clears throat> drive change. And I think for me, it's a, it's a process that I love the most about fashion and coming together and, and sharing ideas, techniques, etc. and learning. Yeah. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about natural dyes? And that's something we both do. Right. Um, I think it can, you can become easily dependent on one source of color, right. but we've already realized that nature has tons of alternatives for red, for yellow, for orange, and you can manipulate those in different ways. And you can even use food waste right. for a lot of it. So, so that opens a lot of doors as well. Right. And as we both know, like, um, if like natural guys might, it's like not a question about like, is it more sustainable or not? Because we both know, like, we can use natural dyes also in an unsustainable way. And yeah. I think that's, that's also important to mention here because it always depends on the mixture you're brewing 
with natural dyes, like if you're using a mordant or a chemical that makes the color stay in a garment or not, if you're using hot water or not. I mean, there's so many variables you also have to consider behind defining what is sustainable or not. And <clears throat> that also comes back to yeah, how we research and how we treat materials. And as you yeah. said, we have so many natural dyes as an option. And yeah, because I think diversity is the key here again. Can't lock yourself up into one solution. Right, right. And also... But you can try to make it as efficient as possible. Right. And also time will draw you to different things. Correct. What are your natural dyes um, at the moment? Um, well, right now I want to work with eucalyptus because eucalyptus is very, very popular in Lima. We have tons of it. And you can uh, change the pH quickly with without too much hard work and you can get all sorts of crazy shit, uh, tones so I'll be traveling to, so that will be my little project here in Lima and then I'll try to travel back to the jungle where I'll be working with these artisans and come up with a um, a bit of a catalog I need a little bit of discipline with it because I'm going to be going back to New York and I need a reference to have an idea of what um, what the dye does to different materials um, so I just finished one in Michigan where I spent time with my grandparents. I got that natural dye catalog done. Now I'm going to do one in Lima and one in the jungle. So Maybe. let's try to, I got some silk, your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try to be sort, I'll try to source some alpaca from Peru nice. and some native Peruvian cotton, Maybe. white and colorful. I'm, I'm excited. I mean, eucalyptus is also um, the raw materials used for tensile these days and also another breathing yeah. material. Um, we use, like we find um, as an alternative to cotton. Um, it's a very breathable material again. And I think it's so interesting. And you also dig into your roots, find the materials where that are connected to you, to your roots. And I think that's just beautiful. Yes, and I think it'll be a nice. It would be a. It'll be a fresh breath air. Agreed. Fresh, a, a breath of fresh air. <laughs> my Spanish, my Spanish is uh is mixing up my words a little bit, but it's fine. I love it. That's me in German. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, why do you think um, it's important for you, like for your work? Um, working with a diverse group of people um, now and in future? Um, there's just such a big need in Peru right now. We, we're a little bit disorganized. We have a lot of talented people, a lot of resor uh, resources, a lot of good ideas. But if we don't get organized and work together to, to find solutions to these things, we're really not going to move forward as a country. Right. And there's something I, I reflect on uh, quite a bit is that it's easy to talk about conservation and protecting biodiversity from a developed nation mm -hmm. where we can enjoy uh, the benefits of clean water, electricity, having a nice clean bathroom, mm -hmm. um, because we've already... Um, taken the risk or even ignored some conservationist policies to get 
to where we are now. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, a lot of the countries that did that are now reverting a little bit of that damage. Like they're, they're really working hard to be more sustainable, to reforest their forests and, and stuff like that. But uh, some of the rural areas, such as communities in the Amazon rainforest, want to improve their standard of living. Mm-hmm. And to tell them they can't, like that they can't develop is very unreasonable. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, the lack of access to technology ends up generating more environmental problems. For example, let's say um, you need to clear a little bit of land to grow crops, mm-hmm. but you don't have the tools to chop down the trees, mm-hmm. which you could also use to build your house, cook, or mm-hmm. sell to get some income into your household. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the alternative is to burn it. Mm-hmm. That can get out of control. You're completely wasting the raw material that you could have been using and the consequences of that are much harsher. So the conservation community in Peru needs to repair its relationship with its farmers if they want to make real progress Mm. and hopefully combining a couple of industries so we can use, um, like maximize our resources and use the waste of one industry and use it for another one. Um, hopefully we can find creative ways of living in harmony with our surroundings, whether it's how we build our homes, what we eat, and what we wear. Right. I mean, that problem maybe developed. I mean, we also face here in New York with, <clears throat> like, for me, for me, example, like with my farmers uh, about the heritage breed in wool. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, we have so many different heritage breeds that are all threatened, um, and we need to find a way how all of these farmers work more and more together <clears throat> to really form a union that can be an alternative to merino wool. Because as we all know, merino wool has been exploited for years and the sheep are not very treated very well. And um, there are so many different varieties of sheep that we have that, that also traces back a heritage um, of people. And I think it's such a unique um resource that we have and also responsibility to kind of sustain those families of sheep and um, if we could come up with a union and approach fashion designers these days to inspire them to use different wools types of wools and to create certain things I think that would be so beautiful and and also that is you know the easy solution to locally production Uh, but we just don't maybe go the next step or we don't do the research. Um, but I think it's, we need to push that agenda. Just as you're saying, like push these conversations. Hey, there's a problem with a conversation between the farmers and you guys there to, do, to, to drive that change and to, to bring um, a developed infrastructure into your country. Yeah, those are conversations that we need to have and, and, and improve the ways of living and that will bring sustainable production on the road, you know? Um, well, for example, in Peru, we have a huge diversity of cotton, native cotton that grew in colors. And what's wonderful about it is that it uses less water and it can grow in saline soils. And it's also more resistant to pests. But yeah. in the 90s, we were trying to push like an agricultural boom in Peru. And so white industrial cotton was prioritized and it even 
like the government even went as far as banning the growth of native cotton because they thought there was a risk of genetic contamination. Right. Which um, from the research that I've done, and hopefully I'm not wrong on this, um, it ended up not being accurate. Like the, the, the genetic crossover was not uh, a, po- a possibility really. Um, but we're finally growing it back. Really? So that's what I think we haven't been able to revive all of the colors, but it, we're growing it back and hopefully that'll be something we can add to our list of materials to work with. Agreed. I mean, that's the same thing for sheep. Like, as you said, pesticides and are like um, being resistant to diseases in the future. It's the same thing like the, those threatened sheep that I'm working with. Like for me, it's the Romadale sheep. Um, they are like <clears throat> resistant to a lot of these things. And yeah, that's a, that's the beauty of natural selection and keep, keep on breeding and them naturally and, and just, just like with us, like natural selection, like improving to the environment that we're living in and adapting to it. <clears throat> I think that's also uh, another very important conversation linked to biodiversity that we, that local food, local <clears throat> resources give us the best medicine to survive and also work and, and know our materials. We, we spend so much time talking about um, what we eat mm-hmm. and that we put healthy stuff in our system. Um, and yet with the fashion industry, we're still trying to, to get to that point, right? Because skin is the largest organ in our body and right. we it as well. So what we put on our skin is important as well. Yeah, it's hilarious, right? Um, we don't think about that. And although like, like our skin is also like, as you said, the largest organ and it breathes and it takes sweat and um, it, I don't know, like I don't, I don't know how you grew up, but I grew up with a family who like really took care of, you know, those natural fibers and they really searched for that when we were bought things. And then of course we were spoiled with all the plastic world. <clears throat> I mean, I think you know, I own plastic polyester stuff. You, I bet as well. I mean, there's um, these days no way around it, but maybe like for us in the future as designers, we want to kick in more and more natural things as possible. <clears throat> well, there's also uh, an economic factor we have to take into consideration. The fact that not, not everybody can afford um, some of these high-end materials, and that was that was my case growing up. I um, I'd use secondhand clothing or really cheap clothing. It just wasn't it wasn't something we really um, it wasn't a priority. Right. I guess. Um, but I think we're working. I think the fashion industry is creating more um, available, approachable accessible yeah. options. I think the word access is very important because if we can make more natural materials accessible, um, we could also like have a higher demand, like not in a way that we exploit them again, but maybe like push a bit back on the polyester stuff and maybe like get a tensile in there as well. It would really help, I think. 
I mean, it's uh, for me, it's really good to see that um, COS, for example, they use um, a lot of um, like tensile shirts already. And I, I just like to see that, okay, um, they're thinking about it. And <clears throat> there's, you know, change is happening. We just need to continue to push it and also challenge it. Like not every natural selection is, is a good thing and always question everything and keep challenging it. Right? Absolutely. I can't <laughs> Well, <clears throat> I mean, how do you want to be remembered, Caroline? Oh, boy. I know uh, it's a big question. I ask those, like this question, everybody um, that I'm working with and is part of, of this community, the Form to Wardrobe community. But for me, that question to take a bit pressure off <clears throat> is linking back to if your grandchildren think of you, um, how do you want to be remembered in a way that they think of you as that was the grandma that, you know, taught me something about natural dyes or local knowledge that I didn't know about, but I've taken that forward into the way I eat, the way I live, the way I build. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is how I think about this question because I truly was inspired by my grandma and mom. So that's why I ended up in the fashion system. And I have taken those values and I just keep polishing them. And now I, I'm asking you this question. That's beautiful. Um, well, hopefully everyone will remember me a little bit different because I like to have a special connection with everybody I meet. Um, but I think I want to be remembered as a risk taker, not taking the easy route. I often get asked when I'll start my fashion line and <laughs> I look forward to that day and the fruits it will provide. Uh, <laughs> joy is building it. Joy crazy, Lisa, I know it, but that's where the true joy comes from. Yeah. And many of us know fashion designers that will go down the traditional route. They start an atelier in a big city and launch their brand. Right. This course, very simplified. These designers have to work very hard to do what they do. Right. But I always, but I was always attracted to like the extra challenge. Um, growing up in Peru, I was exposed to enormous talent. And unfortunately, some of the most talented people I met lived in poverty. Right. Uh, their products had cultural and functional value, yet they don't have access or are familiar with fruitful markets. So I was lucky enough to receive a good education growing up, and I am eternally grateful for my parents who worked very hard to give me that chance. Right. Uh, but now that I have that, um, it's my turn to give back to my community, and I love to travel around Peru, collaborate with artisans. Uh, it's just so much fun. Together we learn about our country's history and traditional practices such as natural dyeing, as we've talked about, weaving, painting, embroidery, knitting. And we seek to improve it and to connect it with other Peruvians to create interesting fusions we can all enjoy together. Um, we also seek uh, more efficient and less environmentally taxing ways to source our materials. And I don't know, I'm just a curious soul and I care deeply about my country and people. Uh, I try to learn something new every day because I know how challenging 
bringing this dream to life will be. Uh, I know I need to understand the legal system, the culture, the craftsmanship, engineering, finance, and so much more. So um, when people ask me if I'm just a fashion designer, I'm like, no, we are not. <laughs> we're, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to do a lot more. Right. Um, but I think it's definitely challenging. I mean, our work, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's, it's so much more beautiful to work actually with people um, knowing their stories and, and, and it's such a, yeah, take and giving environment that pushes not only um, them maybe in a financial point of view, but also you in a very like um, learning point of view. And <laughs> to be honest, I never wanted to be part of that bitchy fashion environment. Um, that's not why I wanted to do fashion. Um, doing it this way, doing it with people who care what they do, um, like you, um, it gives you such more joy. And, I, yeah. For people who know me, um, they've probably heard me say this before, and it's something that my dad always said, and it's nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. And that is the most important thing for me um, and in trying to uh, start a team, taking care of your family, taking care of your friends, encouraging them to be their best self. Right. Um, just, just a mantra I live by, I guess. Right, right. I mean, that's why we ended up, I bet, in more the materiality and systems pathway, right? <laughs> <laughs> because we were thinking that way I think from the first day on when we step foot into the fashion environment I mean for me I always felt um, there's so much more than just a collection like how is a collection formed um, it starts with with the with, with maybe your history in fashion but also with the materials like for me is that the essence and then the, the materials, they have so much history, as you said, so much culture behind it. The, the heritage is enormous. Um, and then you touch on so many, like, diverse topics, like politics, science, um, cultural themes, um, history. Um, and that, that touches everybody's lives at the end of the day. Like, fashion is not only, like, for fashionistas. Um, it's for everybody. And it's touching everybody's lives at the end of the day. And I think that's also an idea uh, that maybe like our work pushes, um, which I think it's including everybody in, into that conversation. If it's their style or not, that's a different thing. But um, we talk about things that I think matter to a lot of people. I certainly hope so. <laughs> it's definitely a work in progress and... We got to keep working hard and agreed every day, every day. I think, do you have any questions for me? Because I was like, so yeah, yeah, yeah. doing a lot. I wanted to know what attracted you to so many Latin people in your life. I just, it's just so curious to me. Yeah. 
I asked I asked my question also like you know I also live in a very like Latin Latin American culture uh, culture like neighborhood here so I think it's the open mindedness um the emotion that I love and you know also the happiness that you bring to every day like I'm attracted to people who are um passionate who are loving and caring and um just curious to know and that's maybe why I'm attracted and I find that a lot in in Latin American people because I have a, like as you know a lot of friends including you and and also teachers and mentors from there and um you know they just go to 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 work which is their passion just with a smile and i just love that because that's how i feel and um and that's that's why i do why i do it because it brings me joy and if i wouldn't like if I, if it wouldn't be bringing me joy i would like be like lisa what the heck are you doing and that's always something i what is important to me to do something in life that i truly love because then you really can show passion and no be passion not show it like you are like you have that in you and then it's also how you can like help i think to do something in this world if you really bring that heart to the table and i feel that with you guys and it just brings me joy well we love you and that's <laughs> a lot of joy i know this was very cheesy but true and honest covid <laughs> um, we'll have to take you out dancing Oh yes, yes. I I need to learn that and get a bit like you know more moving. That's in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah. Yeah. Any more questions or? Um. Yeah. Uh, when we were talking at the beginning about uh, being in Glenn's class, you were talking about the use of color, and you talked about how your style was very minimalistic. Mm-hmm. But really, what attracted me to your work was that beautiful red. <laughs> working uh, on for hours and hours and hours and days and weeks and months and years, basically. Um, and there's a lot of diversity in that as well. Right. You can talk to us a little bit about about your experience experimenting with red a little bit. It's it's funny, right? Um, I think. It started like when I went started with sophomore year in fashion. Um, my red passion came to life. Um, before it was more orange, and then the red fire peaked. And I think that comes back to my soccer jersey and um, <clears throat> just my passion that I have for the art world and the soccer is the color red. And funny, funny enough, that's also what my English teacher once said. Like Lisa's all about art and soccer. <laughs> and I think my first dress that I did for Parsons and my first ever dress that I have sewn was also a red dress in silk. Um, and that's where I started to explore. Ha! Huh, like red has so many shades and da da da. And then I my first collection. It was already very red heavy. And then with my second collection about Faustus, it was again very red heavy, but then I explored also different textures and 
also in different materials. Like I stepped away from silk a bit more into wool. And then with with Maria Elena, the, all the natural dye started. And now being at this point where I've been natural dyeing for one and a half years now, um, I dyed a sample today, um, a wild silk um, <clears throat> chaton um, fabric with cochineal. And normally like cochineal, um, I, I look more for red, for the reddish tones, like that ranges between pinkish, uh, red, red and orangey um, saturations. But today I got a silver tone. It, it blew my mind. Yeah. I have it. I have it here, I can show you, but it's like shiny silver. And I was like, damn. And that's why what? You changed the material or it was just the way you cooked it? Uh, I changed the material. Uh, I, like, I got a new material, new way, a uh, new uh, weave of silk. Um, and yeah, damn. And there's another way of thinking about biodiversity just with this. <laughs> I'll keep you posted on uh, how many different colors I can get just by changing the material when I go to the Amazon rainforest. I would love to hear that. I mean, your journey is just starting and uh, I can't wait for you to, to flourish and take off and see you, what you do for thesis and, you know, big supporter you have in me. And yeah. Likewise. You know, I've been intrigued about your work ever since I met you and I know you're going to do wonderfully there's a lot of challenges and you've endured a lot of them and you keep on getting up and becoming stronger and more determined every day so keep up the good work I I I have nothing but admiration for you truly thank you same here same here and I think I think you have it right a wrap I think the wrap uh, it's the farm to wardrobe second second episode here um, about biodiversity and uh, thank you for the guys who are listening and uh, can't wait for you to tune in next where we talk about natural dyes uh, with farmer lorenzo Alrighty, exciting thank farm, you farm to wardrobe caroline says goodbye right bye <laughs> bye bye <laughs>